Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast. I almost said it correctly for Wednesday, November 6, 2013, alongside Ian Ferguson. Aloha. My sometime acquaintance. My name is Pat Country. How's everyone doing out there? If you're watching this live on Ustream, if not, you'll be hearing this on Thursday, the next day, on, on the 7th. Tonight on the show, we'll be talking about the, uh, wow, it's just come up today, Call of Duty Ghosts and the potential problems for the Xbox One. Along with that, the Adam Sessler speaking out about it and the controversy, little hubbub on the internet about that. Alongside that, the Hollywood commercials when it comes to video games and the over-the-top productions, and especially with the Call of Duty ones, we'll discuss that. We'll be discussing Nintendo shutting down Swap Note. We'll be discussing Dude Pinball, maybe a Big Lebowski pinball uh, game. And also, your Q&A, as always, if you want to ask a question... Hashtag it on Twitter with CU Podcast, and we'll answer your questions at the end of the show. Ian, how are we doing in the past two weeks? The Fortnite. <laughs> the Fortnite's been good. Uh, I'm getting ready for a return trip to Buffalo for my brother's wedding. And uh, in addition to looking forward to that, I'm looking forward to eating a lot of uh, Tim Hortons, Bocce's, Duff's, Mighty Taco, and all of my favorite local eateries. I will come back for the next podcast probably 10 to 15 pounds heavier well that's good to know that's very good to know um is it what's, what's been going on with me I, I found an intellivision in the box that was like the one system out of all the all the systems you, th- you think i'd be okay with um or at least that i would have it's the one that i actually didn't didn't have uh in the box not that it's a great system but you know i can hear the cheers from the listeners all the way from here <laughs> Um, so, so definitely one of the big stories coming out this week and it just really is, is blowing up today is, and it's released, it's the Call of Duty franchise. The past, we discussed six, we discussed it at, at Luna Video Games, the past six years they've had a game every year. Yeah, seven, seven, seven yearly games and, uh, the, the drama of the past few days has been that, uh, it will run at. 60 frames per second at 1080p on the PlayStation 4, yet on the Xbox One, it is going to run at 720p in order to uh, get that 60 frames per second. And the controversy, if you want to call it that, that's surrounding it is uh, lots of uh, journalists, uh, if you want to call them such a thing, um, including uh, Adam Sessler, have been really downplaying the the fact that the resolution is not the same, stating that resolution does not matter. And I, f- I would have to call bullshit on that um, for one main reason, and it's not graphics, it's not visuals. It's that if they had to drop the output of Call of Duty Ghosts on the Xbox One mm-hmm. from 1080 to 720 uh, to maintain 60 frames per second... Uh, that means there's issues optimizing things for the Xbox One. And that 
while by no means is a death knell for the Xbox One in any it's way, trouble. shape, or form, it's trouble to see that sort of thing appearing so quickly out of the gate. So what does that tell you? That way back in prepping this, that they just totally shit the bed in terms of knowing what proper tech specs they should have in terms of processing power versus video RAM and, and all that, you know, what bandwidth, like... I haven't been a tech guy in many years, but I, but like I said, I, what I what I can comment on and, and, and say fairly confidently is that it it's it's not a good sign. What what does it mean? I don't necessarily know. Their hardware is not is not running as smoothly as it should be. Something that is able to be done on the PS4 cannot be done on the Xbox One, and that is of concern. We're entering the next generation of consoles. Almost every TV that is sold today is a 1080p TV. People, I believe, are expecting from their next generation consoles that they're going to get 1080p out of these games. Um, to see something, even though it's multi-platform and being released on current and next generation systems, Call of Duty Ghosts is a game that I think people are going to look to as a launch title benchmark to see what their system can do out of the box. Mm-hmm. And if it's only running at 720p, that is at the very least a letdown for people who are supportive. Maybe not. Maybe not for everyone. But I'm just saying, I think there's a degree... Of, of people being disappointed, rightfully so, that their brand new shiny system isn't pushing anything. It's not, it's not, it's not running at the maximum so resolution. The, the question is, will this affect sales a lot, you think? I mean, you're going to have people that are Xbox versus Sony fanboys either way, so it may not affect them. Or, or will it sway that, say, in between 20% of people to, to go PS3 versus Xbox and say, you know, screw I, this. I've been, I've, been, I've been sold a false sale of, of goods, basically. This is what I think. I don't think it's really going to affect anything at launch day. What I'm more concerned about is, is, is a person who does not necessarily fall into either camp, although I have stated on this podcast before that if I get a next-generation system, it'll likely be a PS4 for those exclusives. Um, hey, I really enjoyed my 360. Uh, it's, my concern is, what's it going to be able to do in the future? A year from now, since we've got two systems that are doing a bunch of multi-platform games, mm-hmm. right? Um, is this going to be a scenario where the versions that come out on the PlayStation 3 end up being noticeable, or PlayStation 4 end up being noticeably better than the versions that come out on the Xbox One? I don't think the damage is going to happen immediately. I think it's going to be a long-term thing. In a year, people who are waiting to buy a system are going to look at what's up. They're going to look at comparisons of both versions that have hit both systems. And if this continues to be a problem for more than one title... That's on both systems. Yes, I think then eventually okay. it will sway people to the PlayStation. So, so, this, so this is what I, I brought up to you before uh, speaking. Before the pre-podcast prep was what what is really the difference between 720p and 1080p? P- most people don't even know what that means. Is um, 1080p is was it 1920 times 1080 pixel resolution, length versus height. 720p is 1280 times 720 lines of resolution on uh, that you're getting. Obviously, that means it's sharper image. Correct. That's really what it amounts to. That's really all it amounts to, is sharper image. You're, you're producing more detail because you have more lines to draw out. However, my argument is, is that, you know, unless you have a TV that's, say, even 45, 50 inches, and unless you're sitting five feet or three feet away, you're not going to be able to tell the difference with a naked eye. If you're on a small screen, if you're definitely on a 20-inch TV, you won't be able to tell the difference. No, it doesn't you- matter then. You're correct. Someone like me with my mole eyes, you know, I, you know, I, it's not going to affect me much. But like I said, I think that's the problem with this whole argument that's going around. A lot of people are saying things like graphics don't matter. Well, well, correct to a degree that they don't. This isn't 
for me, this isn't a problem with graphics. This is what is the underlying cause that is making the Xbox One not able to put it at 1080p? Is it going to affect your enjoyment of Call of Duty Ghosts? No, probably not. Visually, from a, I mean, unless, like you said, you're playing on a massive TV, it's mm-hmm. not going to affect much. My question is, why can't the Xbox One do it? We put up, we may not, we not even get an answer to that. That's the that's the bad part, right? But, but that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's going to affect anything immediately. In a year, I think that's when we're going to see. Well, is this game having problems keeping a constant frame rate at you know 1080? Does this game have to drop to 720? Is the pro, is is the power of the Xbox One? despite the fact that the systems on paper look very similar, and I mm-hmm. personally don't feel like there's got to be that big of a difference, is there something in the build of the Xbox One that is causing it to be an inferior system? And that's what's going to hurt them. And this, I think, is the tip of it, and people are going to be paying attention very closely. And while I don't think it's going to matter a great deal, if you want an Xbox One, it shouldn't stop you from going to get one. I feel like the internet in, at large is going to be dissecting everything that comes out for the Xbox One. Um, so this brings up to the point that someone, a, a big, I guess, journalist you can call him in gaming today, he's been around for like 10 years, Adam Sessler, came out today, and, and was it today or yesterday? I think it was yesterday. And he basically said, what's the big deal that it's not in 1080p, uh, Call of Duty goes 720p is fine. Um, and he's getting a lot of flack for it. Well, we just explained what, what the big deal is. It, yeah. it's, it's not from a visual standpoint. That's not what you need to be concerned about. The, the big deal is what are you actually getting in your Xbox One? What's, what's your system capable of? And that's the larger problem. And that's what a true journalist should be talking about is, look, this isn't, it's not to sound alarmist, and I can already, I can already hear people writing me death threats. Um, but <laughs> what is it a harbinger of, basically? What, if you can't do the graphics you promised... What else can't you do? Maybe? Right, exactly. And that's exactly that's what it. it is. You know, what are we getting? And, and, and it's not to say you shouldn't get one because, you know, there are some, like D4, for instance, is an, uh, is a, an exclusive that I would love to play that currently is exclusive to only Xbox One. I'm saying don't get it. If it's got the games you want, get it. But it it is concerning to me that it can't do something that people thought was going to be uh, a given. And it is concerning to see a gentleman who, what, three months ago, stated that he expected everything to be running at 1280p yeah, he, well, he, or what, 1080p. What, what he said was, and I think it was at SGC, which when I went to uh, Screw Tech Gaming Convention, he said that next-gen games, 60 frames per second, 1080p, that's to be expected. And if you come from that, if you come from the standpoint that I do that, there's not a huge amount of difference between this next generation coming out and the current generation, then yeah, that must be what you're building yourself as. Because if you're not getting better graphics, better frame rate, better processing power, why even have new consoles? So, I mean, if, if people look at them as being hypocritical in that aspect because you're say, if you're saying this is what next gen should be and now it's not, then if 720p is only good enough, where are we at then with the, with, with gaming in terms of in terms of what's next? Why buy an Xbox One? Why buy a PS4 then? I, I think that, and it's it's not just Cecil. I don't know the names of the other journalists. Like I said, this has been a, a thing that's been on the internet for a few few days now. Um, and this is where the journalism aspect gets me. I think I think people are afraid to call it out because um, the Xbox One is roughly fifty percent of what is going to float. Um, these people's careers for the next eight years. You know, releases on the Xbox One and releases on the PS4 are what these people are going to be talking and writing about for the next eight years. And I think people are afraid to step on the toes of a system that is not out yet and a company that has is about to release a system when they know that a chunk of their livelihood depends on reviewing things that surround 
this that machine. And yeah. I think it's odd to be afraid of a system and to talk about the actual problems because it isn't. It's not a. It's 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 not nearly as superficial as graphics. It's it's more about the performance and what are you get. Like I said, I, I've said it a million times. But what are you getting out of your machine? Sure. So if you're playing Call of Duty, you want to be able to. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there would be slowdown issues. If it's the processing power, if there's a bottleneck in the tech side, and once there's 20 guys on the screen, maybe you see a few less frames. And obviously people, if they're spending $500 on a new console, they want the biggest and the best. Right. And I just want to obviously. be clear, because I don't want to sound one-sided. Um, Sony has been extremely tight-lipped and uh, reluctant to show things uh, on the PS4 in the weeks leading up to its launch, uh, including making people sign a lot of NDAs and very, very carefully um, curating what kind of news comes out of the PS4. So there are people who have valid concerns about the PlayStation 4 as well. Shouldn't you be ready to show off your new toy to the world? Why Why the secrecy? So it's not. this is not just an Xbox One rant. I, you know, I, I, think, I think what we're getting at is we have two systems coming up and people are just about to realize how little difference there are between the 360 and the 3 as opposed to the 1 oh, yeah. and the 4. I said That's that, the issue. I said that at E3 in June that well, when I was looking at the games sure. I couldn't tell the difference. You no. Yeah. And we've been talking about that for a while and I think that that's the problem. I think the companies are now at the point where they realize that they have to deliver this console to the market and it's it's going to be underwhelming. So I think that's I, 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 all yeah, I can I said, say I, on that. I don't have a horse in this race. But no. with Microsoft, the way they've been treating you know indie games this generation, obviously the Kinect stuff, the DRM stuff, they use games stuff. I don't care if they fall flat in their asses. I don't. But I'm, no. I'm saying it's not like Sony's this, this magical company that's going to sweep in and do good either. But you know the po- point is you you better deliver what you promise. So again, it's a five hundred dollars system. It's not three hundred dollars. It's not even four hundred dollars. Well, that's no. yeah. If you go back to the Xbox One, that's that's kind of the other thing is you know you've got the PlayStation Four at. 400 and you have the xbox one at 500 and, and the, we, the use, more, and we use at 300 and if, yeah and if the if the most expensive system if the more expensive system is delivering less than the hundred dollar less system then that is i mean that's a cause for consumer concern sure anyway we're gonna move on let's let's move to let's move to uh how about how about something lighter I, we might as well we might as well just go into the call of duty commercials they're okay they're so, absolutely okay so <laughs> if you've been following I haven't really. It's been building more and more. I'd say the past two years. I think it was was with, was with, with the first Black Ops game when you really saw the people, the average people running around. Modern Warfare Three, I think, is what it was. Was, was it Modern Warfare Three? So, so you start with this is the first commercial I'm ever seeing where no gameplay at all. Big Hollywood multi-million dollar commercial where we have people running around like it's like it's like a pizza delivery guy with an Uzi, and then you have like a soccer mom with a rocket launcher. And they're all happy. They're all shooting uh, at a nondescript enemy, and it's like, what was it? What was the tagline? It was, it was like almost like, have you game today think, or I think, something? I think the tagline was fucking tasteless. Was, <laughs> was, was, was the tagline? Because I so, find that awful. So, it, but it evolved from there. That was yeah. the first. I think it was the first Black Ops game, or whichever one came out a year or two ago, where you had a Robert Downey Jr. appearing. You had that. You had that big uh, Russian YouTube channel guy, the guy that fires off real guns. He appeared in the commercial. Remember, you had the girl on the horse running and, and like dropping bombs on people. Then it went from that to the one with Jonah Hill teaming up with uh, Channing Tatum. They had a 21 Jump Street movie coming out. I think it was last summer. And then they're advertising one. Again, big budget productions. They're shooting and having fun. And Jonah Hill gets better at the game. My point is, are we really at the point now where we've gone full circle to where back... 30 years ago, you couldn't really show the gameplay because the games were that bad. Now, you're not showing the gameplay in commercials either because 
you are so entrenched with your fan base that you don't respect them enough to show the new gameplay, or the games are have changed so little that you don't have to show the gameplay year after year because there's nothing new. I think it's something different. Um, or is it simply, or is it simply the other third option? Is it simply just? Um, I, I think I use the word circle jerk. That hey, we have to keep just our just our marketing appeal up to people even know about this, so we have to produce over-the-top commercials just to make sure people still know there's a Call of Duty franchise, which is ridiculous, being that it's like the biggest game franchise. All right, so to, to back up, I mean, I realize that I sound uh, intense when I state an opinion. Um, I, I don't I don't necessarily, I, I really don't like the tone of the commercials. I realize that this is nothing more than uh, basically, uh, I'm here, Patrick. Um <laughs> I realize this is nothing more than basically online laser tag, and that's fine. I just sure. the way they portray the the, the modern war theme is uh, kind of disturbing to me. That people are running around with guns, and what you don't get is the, the the consequence. They are firing off guns, and they don't show them firing off at anything because that is the that is the tasteful way to make it a commercial. Yes. But I mean, even in the game, you're shooting other people. I mean, it's still a simulation of war. And you know, what? I don't give a shit if you enjoy it. That's fine. I have friends who enjoy it, and I played a lot of Call of Duty Four. That's that's a that's a secret there, guys. I played a lot of Four, and I enjoyed it. But I don't. I don't like the cheery gamification of yes. of, of of warfare, and and, and, it, and it's really the one that came out whatever a few days ago. I guess the the release trailer or release commercial with uh, Megan Fox of all people, where it's four people and they have to get one of every type of gamer. You have a white kid, you have an African American kid, you have a chubby gamer, and they're all pounding around together, shooting in the back of, of their jeep, and smiles on their faces as they're blowing people up. It couldn't be. It couldn't and, be more. Bros having a bro time is is, is exactly what that but, commercial was. But I'm asking, but who is that commercial for? Because if you like Call of Duty, you're gonna buy it already. If you don't know what Call of Duty is, is that gonna sell you? I would say no. It's it's like what the hell am I? Was that a movie commercial? There's no gameplay. Right. Oh, 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 the only reason you know it's a game because at the end of the commercial you see you know now on Xbox and, and the PlayStation. That's the only way you know it's a video game. To, That's to- it. To touch back on what I meant to actually say the first time was, I, I feel like the other option that you didn't touch on was, um, this is big now and it's a money-making thing, and I feel like to a degree there's still a bit of embarrassment that it's a video game. They don't show the gameplay because they don't want you to know that they're selling a video game. Basically, it gets the attention, it gets the word out, you talk to it, you find out it's a video game, but I feel like maybe to marketing there's this cheesy bit of, of of dark secret if they actually show you know a screenshot you think of, so? of yeah I, I think there is I, I, I think i think there's still that mindset that games are for kids or for basement dwellers they they just no matter how how popular games get there's still that stigma attached to them there still is it still exists it's getting bigger but, but, but that's they're getting bigger but that mm-hmm. stigma still is attached and i feel like by dodging it's a big enough name people already know about, and by not putting video games in there, they can advertise the name, they can advertise the brand without reminding people who don't care that it's a video game. It's almost like the pe- the people, at, you know, at was it Activision? I don't even fucking know. They're the, like they almost wish they were producing a movie. That's mm-hmm. like it's like look at us. We're not we're transcending video games, and now it's a movie. And almost like they're getting the rocks off on, on that aspect. You know what I mean? It's almost like the fact that they can recruit Hollywood stars to it makes it seem more important uh, a game or more important an event than it really is. It's like some sort of weird thing going on. Like even the GTA games don't do that, and that's like the you know 
GTA sells a billion games, but even they they show gameplay. Even they know that at the core, that's what we do. We show the gameplay, right? You know, um, I think it's it's worth mentioning. It's not based on the commercial, but uh, I, I should mention that from a, a customer standpoint, how bored these people seem with what they're buying, yet they feel like they're doing it out of duty, and the fact that out of their cold duty, yeah, uh, no <laughs> pun intended. But uh, you know, and the fact that you mentioned GTA Five is a, is a reason I'm thinking about it. Um. I had a guy come in today and he bought Call of Duty. I was like, so... Ghost Dogs? Ghost Dogs, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Forrest Whitaker in the next commercial. Um, and he, I'm like, what are you looking forward to? You know, just to create chat. You know, I want to know if there's been uh, something like this. I'm fire and a gun. No, no. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, nothing really, but, you know, it's the new one that's out and my friends are getting it. Oh, so God. I have to get it too. And that sort of thing, sort of mindset has been around. I got a lot of that with GTA Five, And, uh... Just to throw back to, but that's um, not a yearly franchise. No, it's not. But it's just I feel. But but it's still something that's recycling formula. And for all the people who who, who attacked me when I, I I dared to say I didn't want to play GTA Five, um, there's a lot of boredom surrounding that when it came out too. I have I cannot tell you how many used copies I've already seen of GTA Five because people just were like, they I'm, played it I'm done it. with it. I'm, you know, I, I you know, it's not as exciting as I thought. Call of Duty Ghost. People are buying it expecting to be bored. They're just doing it so they can keep up with their friends and keep playing online. But wh- That's not fun. Wh- but what is... Are they adding enough that... I'm, I'm trying to rationalize this because I, I rag on the Call of Duty games just because I hate the fact that... Not that they're... Besides they're dumbed-down first-person shooters. The fact that they, they, they con- they, they're supposed to convey realism when they're not realistic. The only thing realistic about them are the weapons. But other than that, they're not realistic. But but my, my problem is, is that, obviously, they're not... Adding enough? Are they adding enough to justify? The answer is no. To justify a sixty dollars purchase each and every year. This is what I've heard, and, and this is this is from a person who only played one. Um, Call of Duty Four was enough to justify the purchase for a lot of people because it was modern was yes. and it really it was the one that really brought the online to the forefront. Yeah. And then I heard Black Ops Two last year was a very worthwhile purchase for a lot of people. Okay. They added a ton. the The near future uh, setting let them get away from the boring, you know, modern war thing that sure. a lot of people were burning out on. They added, I guess, a lot of online options. Now, keep in mind, listeners, this is not coming from a person who's playing. I'm just stating the opinions of customers. We're going to backtrack to the Call of Duty. Okay. Um, where we left off on the Call of Duty, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we were talking about, really, um, the Hollywood commercials and using the regular people. And just real quick to reiterate, that what's disturbing to me about that, using the normal folks in a commercial, is that there's no consequence at all to showing all these people, the, the pizza guy, you know, called everyone can be a gamer and, and go to war and shoot around and doing the John Woo... You know, double guns, which does not appear in the game. You can't do that. It's it's, and this is coming from someone I said before um, that I'm not anti-gun at all. But to me, you have to show some sort of responsibility when it comes to firearms. Yes. And and when you're showing people running around, oh, literally with the smile on their face. In the new commercial, Megan Fox, you have four gamers. You, you, you have of all types. You have the nerd one. You have the chubby one. You have an African American. You have another bro one, and they're having fun. Group of guys shooting up guns. You know, and it doesn't show them like getting shot. It doesn't show the horror of war. Right. It shows them firing off the gun. It doesn't show what they're firing into, which even in the game is people. Like, and that and that's the problem. I, you don't have to. You you don't have to show me blood and entrails to show me consequence. But even the battlefield ones, like. You don't have to go all party time on the on the theme. Yeah. You know, you, you can you can you can show you can do a decent 
war game based commercial. Uh, like I said, Battlefield tends to do them okay. You know, you just show the gravity of the situation to some degree. Yeah, well, like like I said again, this was cut off. I guess for some people, GI Joe, a cartoon thirty years ago, that was a war cartoon fighting terrorists. Remember, Cobra was a terrorist organization. It was aimed towards kids. It was written for adults though, but aimed towards kids. But even that show in the early eighties had enough responsibility. The creators said, and if you watch the episodes, you see. In every, just about every episode, one of the G.I. Joes gets hurt or injured. It's not all fun and games. There is consequence to war. They might have gotten killed in, in the episode, except for Duke getting killed in G.I. Joe the movie, which they retconned because people were upset. But G.I. Joes got knocked out. They got hurt every episode. Some bad shit happened. Right. That if, there, if, a, if a cartoon 30 years ago is having more social responsibility than a freaking modern-day commercial, especially in our PC age, too, which is what's surprising to me. It's just, it blows my mind that that occurs. And then throwing in throwing in the Hollywood actors just to show, wow, we're cool enough, we're important enough that we have, we can get Megan Fox and Tatum, Tatum Channing or Channing, whatever his name is, and Jonah Hill in our commercial, Robert Downey Jr. It's like, who are the commercials for at that point? Who are, you, who are you going after? It's just to fluff yourself up, have a circle jerk, that you have this great franchise, you can attract Hollywood stars and pay them probably hundreds of thousands of dollars to appear in your commercial that costs you a few million to do? I don't know. Well, and if we got cut off, I mean, the, the, the thing that I wanted to mention too is I, I feel like there is... To a degree, one of the reasons you don't see gameplay footage is because they're embarrassed of the fact that they're advertising a video game. Video games still hold a, 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 a social stigma. I mean, they're getting more and more popular every year, but there is still a stigma attached to video games. Call of Duty is one of the most popular, and to advertise it without showing gameplay is a tiny admission of we're kind of embarrassed of what we do, but here's some Hollywood stars. It's okay that, you know, your your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, plays this because, hey, Hollywood accepts it. And by the way, this is, you know, they, they just, they don't deny that it's a game. They have to show at the end that there's, you know, it's on, on the platforms. But they, 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 they seem to avoid the fact that it's a video game at all costs. So there you it's have it. It's a spectacle. We are back, and I took off my sweatshirt. <laughs> and hey, I don't want to take out the sweatshirt to show up my nice cut off Pac Man shirt, but I mean, it's hot in here. And you know, yes, I you, want did. To... you did want to do that. That's... No, I didn't. I really didn't. Okay. So, <laughs> we're going to discuss something that um, happened last week. Nintendo um, is not liking how their swap note system is being utilized by the fans out there and, and, the, and the gamers. And they're basically their user base. They're not really happy with it being used for, I guess, naughty messages, things like that. So, Ian... Mm, you, you... Okay, what actually <laughs> happened was is it was... Uh, so, Nintendo shut down swap note. They shut down swap note because in Japan, there was two guys who had befriended two girls, and were young girls who were using it for, uh, uh, you know... Um, child pornography and nintendo uh quickly dropped the hammer on that and uh cut swap note uh the problem with the situation and there's a lot of people who are upset that nintendo cut it um the problem is is i can this is one of the situations where i can clearly see both sides of the coin um i am Going into the holiday season, the last thing Nintendo wants their flagship product, their 3DS to be associated with, is the sending of dick pics. Okay? <laughs> the way to put it subtly, but yes, that's what they're, that, that, they're that, afraid of. That, that, that's what they're afraid of. They, yes. they, I mean, I mean is, as much as Nintendo is, for all ages and all generations, uh, it, it does have a 
it is considered still to be a very child-friendly device uh, or child-friendly company that sells child-friendly devices with a lot of games that are challenging for young and old. You know, uh, so they 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 want this to still be something that parents feel comfortable getting their children. Thing is, is kids have computers and kids have iPhones and kids have all sorts of crap. The the, the you know uh, that 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 that. 10, 12, 13, 14-year-olds have. And Nintendo doesn't get the internet. You can take away Swapnote. This this sort of thing is still going to happen. Nintendo has one of the most... Uh, it's still a, a very rigid plan in place for how you can communicate with someone using a thing like Swapnote. So you don't know what Swapnote is. No, I don't. Okay, so this is what, this is what it is. <laughs> okay. You turn on your 3DS, uh-huh. and it's very cool. You have a friends list, and you can open up the Swap Note program, and you can draw a four-panel comic, write, take pictures, whatever, and send it off to any of your friends. Okay? Oh. The thing is, to get someone on your friends list using a 3DS, it can't, you can't just send it to a random person. You have to add a person's friend code, and they have to add yours. Okay. When a person adds your friend code, say someone gets your friend code off the internet randomly, right, and adds it, it does not send a message to that person's 3DS saying, this person has added you as a friend. I could put my friend code up on Twitter right now, and 50 people could add me, and I wouldn't know it until I got one of their friend codes and added it, and if we both had each other's codes in the system, boom, we'd both appear on each other's 3DS. So that's a fairly secure system. So for... Okay. It's almost like it's almost like uh, Facebook. You have to accept the person once you say oh, "add me." You have to actually accept. Yeah, it but now. even tighter because because Facebook now allows allows for following. Correct. You have to both accept, and it's not like there's multiple levels of privacy here. They both have to do it. So I I don't want to say that you know parenting is to blame, but all I'm trying to say is Nintendo. I feel like to a degree is, is over. They, they've done what they should do. Like if you want to keep kids safe using your products, you've done it. If somehow these kids are exchanging their friend codes with other old men, and these things are happening, there's there's a greater problem here than swap note, is all I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, well, it comes down to N- Nintendo is trying to protect their consumers and knows what's, be- I guess, best for them. They, they, they want, Nintendo's always been about controlling their product. Always going back to the NES era when you came and have freaking crosses on tombstones and ducktails. Yeah. So they're always about they think what they know is best for their consumer base, right or wrong. That's always been their stance. So they're seeing this as, wow, this is being used for some nefarious shit that we don't even want to be connected with. So my question to you is this: Do they have the right to do that? Do they have the right to to police their product and shut it down if it gets to a point where they think it's being misused? Oh yeah, absolutely. I just I feel like. My problem with I, I like Nintendo. I don't like Nintendo looking bad, and I feel like this is a situation where they risk scorning some people if they don't do something, and they risk pissing people off if they do something. And I feel like at this point, this isn't '96. The internet isn't new. It's not a boogeyman in a closet. I, I feel like most people know what the risks associated with using something connected with the internet are. Sure. So I, I feel like a lot of people who are looking at it's not that they're overreacting. It's 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 a serious problem that occurred. It's but you don't have to take down a service. I, I don't necessarily know that. But how have, how could you police it then? I mean, how? I feel like they have, and since it's already linked to friend codes, they can they can they can ban. I don't know that you can. I mean, uh, people should be. It, it, it's it's well, like you said, it's like Facebook. I, I feel like to a degree, you have to police it yourself. They've already put so many stops in there that 
I mean, to get to that point, I feel like is pretty difficult. But at least on Facebook, you're not supposed to be able to to use Facebook. At least you're at least 13 to create a profile. Obviously, you can lie and do that. And if you're a good <laughs> parent, you can track that. There's probably parents who have no idea this thing exists. They buy their kid a 3ds. Here, have a blast. They probably have no idea. No, and, and that's true. And, I mean, kids don't necessarily know. You know. I mean, they're still learning. They don't know, you know, okay, I shouldn't give my friend code to this person. But, I don't know. It, it's it's a shame that they had to take it down. It's it's a shame what happened. Um, it's not a program that I use, so I'm not even uh, coming from a, a place of, uh, of I miss using it because I can't draw worth a damn, so I didn't <laughs> use it. But, you know, it's... I wish there was a better solution in place. And it's upsetting some people because they were supposed to bring... People were looking forward to Flipnote, which they started on the DSi, which is like a, a Flipnote. It's an animation program. Um, and they were going to bring that over for free from Japan. But in Japan, they suspended that as well. And they're not bringing it to the U.S. So Nintendo's really cracking down. They're in full-on panic mode. And they're basically just shutting down all of that online so, interactivity. So it's a few bad eggs spoiling it for everyone else, basically. Right. And... I don't know, People, there are people out there who are holding their breath and thinking Nintendo will reinstate it, but kind of like you said, looking at Nintendo's history... Why would they? No, I, I think it's, it's probably done. I think it's probably it's done. It's too much of a risk, and unless they're going to go all, you know, um, NSA on you and then, like, peek in on what you're doing, then what you don't want Nintendo doing that anyway. You don't want them to, to really monitor that, to that level, so... It sounds like it's it's a fun, cool thing, but it's not essential to the 3ds experience. Well, so. some, some people, like, like I said, for some people it was. There are people out there who, I mean, used it a ton. Um, I understand where Nintendo's coming from. They want to protect their image and they want to make sure that doesn't happen again. It's a shame that it got to that point. It's also a shame because the first time you ever turn on Swap Note, the little her name was Nikki. The little Swap Note icon draws you a little picture about how you should never use it to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Oh, and everyone apparently so, did. These freaking pedophiles ruining it for everyone. Yes, I just realized it's really weird to go from if you're watching this on YouTube the next day or so, me going from sweatshirt pat to non-sweatshirt pat. That's because I just heat up. I'm not trying to show off anything. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cover up. I feel self-conscious. Let's talk. Let's talk real quick about about the 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 dude pinball real quick. Okay, we'll recap real, it real just quick. because we think we missed it. But this is this is exciting to me. Um so this is a topic that we believe got cut uh a couple weeks ago, there was the, I believe it was the Chicago Pinball Expo, and during it, there was a mysterious group of women, all dressed in uh, dresses with, like, uh, bowling balls and, and, yeah. and, and, and bowling pins uh, sewn on, and they were going around handing out flyers, and on the flyer was a pinball machine on a bowling alley, covered with an oriental rug, uh, next to it was a white Russian, and uh, some bowling pins. <laughs> oh, well, and, uh, the drink, not a person. Yeah, yeah, a Caucasian, <laughs> and not the race, and a... Uh, and just said, uh, dude, it's coming. And there was a website for dude pinball underneath it. Okay. And if you go to the website, it shows the same picture with a countdown, and underneath it, it says, new shit will come to light. Which is a line from The Big Lebowski. Right. This is amazing, because what it means is, uh, in all likelihood, there is a Big Lebowski pinball machine on the way. This is cool for a couple of reasons. One, um... It is not a current blockbuster or an aging rock band themed pinball which is machine, what, which is what Stern, Stern, makes. The, the dominant, and for the past ten years was the only real pinball producer until Jersey Jack. It's not a family friendly, big name license, which is what Jersey Jack does, like Wizard of Oz or The, the Hobbit. Hobbit. Um, it's a niche. It's a well known movie. It's a well loved movie, but it's niche. This is interesting. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about it is uh, this is not something that Stern would make. Stern only does. Stern doesn't take risks. Stern does two machines a year. Stern's already got their other machine yeah. in production. Jersey Jack 
Very small company. They can't possibly be thinking about anything other than... Because they can't handle one a year versus right. two. They, they, they got to do Hobbit. They got to get Hobbit out first. Um, and it's not any of the boutiques, because the, the, the boutique pinball makers who do like 14, 15 off runs um, don't have the money for this sort of advertising. So who's making this? That's the That's question. The and it, what's awesome is if there's a third player in the pinball market, it is going to make pinball more accessible to people who like it. It should, in theory, drop the price of pinball machines a little bit as competition breeds cheaper prices and more creativity. Every week. Anyways. <laughs> that was the advertisement. But this is why it's important, and this is why it's great. If you're not, if you don't know, again, repeating myself, but... We, we, they missed it the first time. We had to record it anyway. Uh, the Big Lebowski was a 1998 Coen Brothers film. The Coen Brothers are actually very brilliant. They did No Country for Old Men. They did a lot. Of, they did, um, Raising Arizona, Fargo. The list go on and on. County were winning. Great writers. Great directing team. Uh, the Big Lebowski came out in '98. A very dark, twisted comedy. You had great characters like Steve Buscemi. Uh, you had John Goodman, who I think was uh, might have been nominated at least for a Golden Globe for for his, for his role. And of course, you have the dude. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, one of my who, favorite guys. who, as you find out, is actually like the dude in interviews. And if you saw Tron Legacy, was playing the dude. Yeah, he's playing Cyber Dude. He's playing Cyber Dude. So, so it's a brilliant film. It's really one of those uh, where there's no real moral to it. It's just, and there's no real. It's not really a plot that has an ABC uh, sort of sort of structure. Right, the fun is the narrative. The fun yes. is the narrative. You and follow the dude along. It's it's basically a detective story. The dude's in every scene. You follow him along as you find out what the hell's going on. And all these weird characters just sort of get wrapped around him. But because this is not such a... Because this isn't a movie that has an incredibly tight plot, I think it's going to lend itself to pinball well. When you look at movie pinball machines, like, say, the Tron pinball machine, for instance, right? The modes actually don't really have anything to do with the movie. There's they, Cora they, Multiball. They just make, off the, make up their own Light track. cycle Multiball, yeah. right? And you get a couple of animations. But the dude has so... Uh, the dude. Uh, Big Lebowski has so many sound clips. So many things that you can do. Throw in there that would be great for, for machines. Uh, so many ideas. Uh, I guarantee you the thing is going to be themed look like a bowling alley. Um, and I don't mean just the actual alley. I mean it's going to have the atmosphere of a bowling alley. Um... I bet you the, the main overlay is going to look something like an alley, though. Uh, you could do drop targets for bowling balls. You could do return lane ramps. You could do all sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's wide open, and I'm, I'm just I'm excited to see something that I truly care about come to a machine, because... New shit coming to light. New shit coming to light. I mean, <laughs> so the new Star Trek is fun, but I didn't see the movies. Um, Metallica? Don't like the band at all. Machine's fun, but I don't like the band at all. Um, the last theme that Stern did that I really liked was Tron, and that's a great machine, but, I mean, I, I'm ready to see something that I can actually, like, connect with. And I think this is a stepping stone to, we're going from blockbuster licenses... Safe to, licenses. ...to niche, risky licenses, which hopefully will lead to original ideas, again, like Medieval Madness, Monster Bash... We where, ...where we see... It's not theme related at all. It's it's creativity. What can I? What 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 are what can what does yeah. the designer want to do? Because you're basically basically when, when you're when you're creating an original pinball machine, you're creating a whole new story and characters. Yes, and, and adopt, adopting that to a, a table and and different modes, different target you know modes, multi ball modes. That's what you're doing. And yeah, and obviously Stern Stern basically has gotten totally away from that. And gotten to me boring because of that. Because my favorite pinball machines aren't the ones that are are, are themed, are being licensed. There are the original ones, like Medieval Madness. Sure, you know, and I'm not like even Doctor Dude, stuff like that. Doctor Dude is great because I played Medieval Madness so much growing up. I, I I'm 
You're spoiled. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it, but I, I'm a little a little tired of it. But but that's the cool thing. A well-made pinball machine like Medieval Madness does tell, albeit a very simple one, it, it does tell a story. You know, you're rescuing the princesses and destroying the evil, you know, lords. I mean, you, you don't need a movie to do it. So hopefully we'll see this progression continue and maybe in the next five years we'll see a mass-produced pinball machine that has no licensing attached. Well, I, I said it before, um, I'm excited about I, I love The Big Lebowski. It was one of those movies Same. that it, it came out. First time I saw it, I didn't understand it. I'm like, this is really stupid. And I think it happened to a lot of people. And the second time they saw it, they got it. They got that it was yeah. supposed to be really about almost nothing. And just following these weird characters around and seeing them interact and being vulgar towards each other and just having these wacky adventures. And that's why it, it became a cult hit. Yeah. The, the, like you said, there is no moral. It's just a fun story to follow. It's definitely a see it more than once type of movie to fully appreciate everything that happens. Um, and I adore it too. I, I actually got to see it in theaters in Austin, Texas at the Alamo Draft House. Really? But, uh, in 2000. In Two. Uh, you never told me that, that. Yeah, I, I got to see it in, at the Elmo Draft House, which is a, a, a movie theater that has wood bars in front of every row of seats so you can order beer. Um, they had a, well, I'm just going to say they had a joint rolling contest before the beginning of it where, that, where, you, yes, where yes. you had to go on stage and roll pencil shavings because, I mean, that plays a big part. I, I entered the contest. Uh, and, and, and you... Uh, <laughs> You know, you, 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 so so it was really fun, but yeah, no, I, I got to see it on the you know full screen, and that was one of my it's one of the favorite things I've ever seen in a theater was that very cool. Um, so, like I said, uh, I only have room for one pinball machine. My main cabinet, if I get a pinball machine, it's going to go right there. Yeah, I'm going to have to shift it around. It could fit. It'll fit if I do it right. If I put it out this way, it'll. I'll make it fit. I'll sit point, on it for the next marathon. Is that you'll sit on it? Yeah. The whole point is that uh, I love pinball. They're beautiful. They're machines. It's just something different about interacting with a machine versus a video game it's just a different feeling that's that, and that's... and i and i hung out with uh pro jared and, and uh rue in portland and they weren't big pinball guys but i showed them introduced them to pinball machines and playing i played medieval man as with jared for like an hour yeah just, every you know, time and then he was he loved it at that you know what I mean? every time it. i drag someone out with me to the high dive to play pinball they get it immediately why it's appealing people think they don't like pinball or they think it's boring because it hasn't been in the public eye for 15 years. Yes. No no one knows what pinball is anymore. If they played it when they were growing up, they've forgotten. Yeah. Um, and arcades have died off too, which yeah. doesn't help. It always comes up, you know, people ask me why I like pinball so much. I can tell you. I work nine hours a day in a video game store. Pinball is tangible. It's a metal ball in physics in a machine. Yeah. You know, it's it's something that you, you see and play and you can manipulate with your hands. And it's, it's fantastic. Um, this reminds me, you've got to make some announcements, but that's what I plan on doing at MAGFest for most of the time, is hiding and playing the pinball machines for four days. We should. And, I, and this year I won't be able to send you pictures about and, and get you all jealous about all the nice machines I had. You sent me a picture of a Suntar, which resides 45 minutes from here. Well, whatever. The whole point was, yeah. Anyways, you were supposed to make some announcements when you came back. Yeah. Yeah, and we actually caught up. We've only been doing this for an hour, and that's with repeating two of our topics with somehow. Nice. So, um, so, so Ian and I are going to Magfest. I think I said that before. Yay! Um, I, yeah. on the web on the website, I'm I'm gonna start finally. Get the I have about 20 new contributors ready to go on the website, uh, and some that I've talked to still. And so the uh, the com will come not come back, but it's gonna be bigger. It's gonna be better. It's gonna have multiple posts per day, not just one. And it's gonna be totally reskinned at some point in November when I have time. Now that I'm done with my NES Punk episode for this month, I can focus on that. 
Uh, I think that was my only really big announcement. Did I have anything else besides that? I thought you did. I thought that was one of my... Yeah, and Pat, me, me and you at MacFest. That's it. Okay, there we go. <laughs> we're right. going to be at MacFest, so you can bother Ian. Uh, we're gonna, uh, there's, I'm gonna, I can't give away what panel's going to be on. I'll be on the Retro TV panel. Maybe Ian will be on there. There might be a Video Game Years Live panel. There is a secret super panel that I'm going to be a part of that I cannot reveal yet, but it probably will be revealed sometime in December, and it, it's... Three people that are going to do something really cool that really hasn't been done before, and whatever. It doesn't be... involve me, guys. Don't get your hopes up. It could in the future, but for now, it doesn't. We, can, we can't... Oh, this is enough for... I'm still surprised you're doing this. This is like our fifth or sixth one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's time for Q&A. Again, we've only been doing this for an hour, and again, I, we, must have, we must have ran through a couple of the topics, like Swap Note. Um, so, if you have in the chat, real quick, if you want to ask a question, use hashtag podcast on Twitter. I'm going to tweet it out right now. Ian, you already took your piss, so you're good to go. I'm ready. <laughs> we should do that more often. We should break it so you can do... That's a lot of beer. That's like three beers right there in Takati right there. It's two. Did you reach out for a sponsorship yet for Takati? Did you, did you reach no. out? Learn your math. 24 ounces is two times 12. A beer is 12. It's on eight ounces? No. It's 12 ounces? It's 12 ounces, Pat. For a can? Really? 12 ounces. Q&A yep. time. Weights and measures. Well... We're not good at math in the U.S. All right, cool. So let's see what questions we have on the CU uh, podcast right now. I'm debating whether or not I should take off my sweatshirt again. It is a little hot. We should both take our sweatshirt off. We should... Seems like a horrible idea. That's more of me that people can see. Uh, I'm taking one off. It's it's hotter in here. And again, the sleeveless. This was not by design. It's because I'm so, radiating heat. You you, you actually do radiate heat. But at the swap meet, there was a guy selling a bunch of video game shirts and movie shirts for a dollar a dollar each. It said nine percent didn't have sleeves. So I was like, this is an awesome Pac-Man shirt. I gotta get it. So yeah, okay, let's go. Questions on the CU podcast, which is could be our favorite part of the show because it's rapid fire and it's fun. fun. All right, let's go. Ba- going back to, we usually, I usually try to go back a couple of days because when they start, Any questions. Well, we got a decent, we got a decent amount here. I said, so when was our last podcast? Our last podcast was about twenty third. Okay. Okay, that, that okay, that was the last podcast. Are we still recording? Yeah, we're recording. Okay. <laughs> I didn't stop it. That's good. Um, okay, here we go. I was trying to get the ones from, like, last week. Okay. This is from at Rick95051. What kind of TV, got, TV do you guys recommend for retro gaming to get the best picture? I heard Sony Trinitron PVMs. Thoughts? Uh, oh, man. Um, I don't know any of the... I don't Tactical know the, 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 the specific... Uh, um, model. However, if it's just for gaming, uh, there is a popular Sony RGB monitor that is tough to find that is going to probably be your best for your picture. As far as TVs, if what you've heard is Trinitron, I would go with it. Honestly, 
any well, tube TV is going to be better than I was going to say, is he, is, he talk, is he talking about retro games on like a 360 to play? No, is that what he no, means? He's talking, no, he's talking about playing actual oh, retro they, games. They go out to a swap meet or Craigslist and buy a TV for 10, 10 bucks. Well, a Trinitron is an old tube TV. He's oh. looking for the best one. Oh, the, 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 flat, the flat tube. Yeah, yeah. Oh, flat tubes are beautiful. Yeah, flat tubes are really nice. I have nice. one here. This Daewoo I got for the marathon, that's a flat tube. Yeah. Those, They're nicer. They're sharper. Those work real well. Um, and I've heard that RGB monitors, if you want to get super nerdy, are going to be even better. But you can only really do like games or computer applications on those. Okay, very cool. The the bad news about that is I you probably some countries probably still produce them, but in the U.S. it'd be hard pressed to go to a Target and find the CRT. At this you point. can't. They're, they're, from, I think someone actually told they're, me they're they basically illegal at this point, right? They looked all over <laughs> San Diego and they could not find a CRT TV new in the store. But and that was like a year ago. But again, go to the swap me because people are just giving away for like ten, fifteen bucks. You can find. I got this for. I got this for ten bucks, and this is a nice. What is that? A nineteen inch. I always tell I always tell customers not, like, if if, yeah. if if you live in a, especially like a place like Ocean Beach, walk up and down the alleys on trash night. Yeah, I mean you'll you will find one. Okay, cool. Next question. Oh, this is really a question. This is from at Seven Minute Psyche Psyche I'd love to see you guys compare contrast the old TV ads for video games as well. Well, we kind of talked about it with, with Call of Duty. And old TV ads, you, TV ads, you had... You sh- well, originally, for the Atari games, you couldn't really show the gameplay at all because they were so simplistic. So you had, like, Phil Hartman talking about, yeah, I'm going to play hockey, and not really show the game. You show for a second. Then you transitioned to Nintendo, where you actually could show the games, and you showed a lot of kids playing the games. That's who they were marketing towards. Those were, yeah. I mean, you Which are great commercials. You get some wacky ones, like the Ninja Iron Gaiden Sword. one. Where oh, the kids, kids sneaking around. Into the parents' house. And they, to kill he, someone. He ninja throws the cartridge into a system, but it still shows gameplay. Yes, it does. Um... They were definitely more targeted. Uh, more, then, more, more playing on a kid's fantasy with the game. Then yeah. you enter into like the place. Let's uh, well, we're jumping, but th- those commercials kind of stayed like that for a long time. Then you enter into like the PlayStation One, and you start to see the transition. Like when they'd advertise Final Fantasies, uh, you still see a little bit of gameplay, but they mostly focus on the cinematics and the graphic aspects mm-hmm. of it. Um, and then you you get to now where I mean, shit, you don't see much gameplay at all. Well, Battlefield did it. Call of Duty said, "No, nah, we don't respect you enough to show gameplay." Um, this is from at Shane Prutzman. Can you and Ian rank the Zelda series from your favorite to least favorite? That's tough for me. I'll give you a couple of my favorites. I'm not a huge Zelda series fan. I like a few of them. I haven't even played probably half of them. But what are, what are some? Of your I, I'm not a big Zelda series fan either. So if I had, to, I can I can easily rattle off some that I do like though. Uh, Zelda Two is my number one. Uh, Zelda Link's Awakening. Uh, would be my number two. Uh, my number three would probably be Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. And if I had to pick a number four, I guess I would go with uh, with Link to the Past. But at that point, I'm stretching. I have not... I really want to play Majora's Mask. It sounds great to me. And it's also one of those Zeldas that's not like a normal Zelda. And those are the ones that always seem to click with me the best, like Zelda 2. So mm-hmm. hopefully at some point I'll get it. I, I'm... Uh, I'll get a chance to play that. I, I have to do, like a, at least for me, a bucket list of games that I have to play that almost like how I've never really seen E.T. I've never played through Ocarina of Time. So I feel like I had... Yeah, see that look? I'm it, not, it, I'm, it's not the Ocarina, because whatever. Well, you look, game, yeah, you, but, well, but the E.T. Well, you look like E.T. right now. Yeah. But anyway, so I have to play through Ocarina of Time. I've played it, I just haven't played a chunk of it. I probably played it for like an hour back in the late night. You know what I mean? So I have to, I have to do that. Sure. Uh, to say, because people say that's the best 
one. But I love Legend of Zelda. I love Zelda 2, not just because I grew up with them, because I think they're great games. And uh, Link to the Past is obviously fantastic. Some people think it's the best game in the Super Nintendo. It's obviously up there, but that's what I like. I have not played the ones in the Game Boy. I have not played any of the Game Boy ones. Um, put Four Link's sources. Awakening on your bucket list, because that's fantastic. Oh, I got I got both versions. I have the DX version and the right one. I yeah, will do it's, that. It's short, it's short and sweet. It's fun. Okay. The next question is from... At Hockey Bones Beer. Is that a brewery? <laughs> What's your favorite Genesis game? I think we have a, a broader favorite Genesis games question later on, for, if I saw but Well, I'll mention a few. Um, let, let, Yeah, let's just get those all one. Uh, Rocket Knight Adventures. Uh, Mickey Mouse Sorry. Castle of Illusion. Uh, probably one of my all-time favorite platformers ever is Sonic 3 Plus Knuckles when you actually put them together and you get the, the full game that's massive with 12 levels and save spots and all the fun stuff. Um, do you think combine, combine it with the first one or the, or the third one? You do that. Three, three and Knuckles nine. are two halves of one full game. Can't you use Knuckles in the first game if you put it together? You too? can. And you okay. can also use it. No, no, no. You can use them in the second game. In the no, first one, it, sh- it just gives you a random bonus stage. Oh, no, but cool. Sonic 3 and Knuckles is one game split into two pieces. You oh. put it together and it gives you the full game. That was that was a good marketing technique. They, they put Sonic Knuckles with the systems and then you had to go out and buy... Uh, three. That's a cool. Idea. But yeah, it actually it changes up some aspects of the game when you put them together. Like when you put both together, you can do you can play through all the levels as either Sonic, you know, Tails, Sonic and Tails, Knuckles. It gives you save spots. I think you have to make me a video game bucket list. Like I, I've never yeah. experienced that either. That's really really good. Uh, I don't know. I love the Genesis. I could really keep up on going. Shadow Dance is fantastic. I'll just let Pat rattle off some because yeah, yeah, it's gonna be really tough for me, the Genesis expert. Um, I I always enjoyed. Um, this sounds really bad. Because, I mean, I'm trying to think more of, as a kid, what I played. Um, screw it. I, I love NHL 93. That That's a fantastic game. Sports sure. or not. I liked 94 better, but... But 93 is what the one that started it off, and, like, this is an awesome yeah. sort of fun... What a fun game. Like, my, my friends used to keep stats of that. Like, yeah. they'd actually say, oh, Brett Hull scored... They actually would keep... Because <laughs> there wasn't a season mode in the first one. They actually would keep track of right. it. You know. Um, Alicia Dragoon, which I reviewed. Yeah, is, that's is really a fantastic good. game. Um hell just just even like the, their version of Outrun since you couldn't get a good port it was good on the Genesis it's got yeah. really good shooters too I like even the shooters the are good one, like Biohazard Battle um, I, I've never owned it because it's expensive but Musha Laste which is the one that goes that one I haven't it's, it's, it's a blast I mean emulate it just play is that it. one of the most yeah, expensive it, it, Genesis it, it, games yeah it's, it's it, that and Crusader Senti are up there as, as some of the most expensive General ones. Chaos General that's, Chaos that's is a really fun good. one uh, I mean the Genesis library is is tragically overlooked uh, because there's nothing out there currently to remind people to go back and look at the Genesis because Sega's not making systems anymore. I think that's part of the reason why it's fallen off, but there's so many good games for the Genesis. I, I think I own like 275 or I own a decent amount that I've compiled. Not enough. Not enough. Got to get more of that. They're sitting in, in the game closet. Okay. <laughs> I could think of more if I really could. I, I love the, the original Spider-Man game. Oh, that one's that fantastic out. where you That's take the pictures one. and yes. they turn them into web fluid. Yeah. Couldn't could understand it as a kid. If I went back and played it now, I probably would understand it a lot more. It's a tough you know? game, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, this is from at Seeing the Destroyer, Matt, who I think is usually in the chat. You mentioned Rift Tracks last time. What is your favorite MST3K episode? Mine is Overdrawn at the Memory Bank, which is a good one. Which is Raul Julia's last movie, I think. What is, what's your favorite? Do you I love MST3K, but all I remember it is is watching it when I was in high school, and I can't 
think of a specific episode. I used to just oh. watch it in long blocks when they would run it like over and over on Sci-Fi at night. Well, I was more of a Comedy Central one. I like I love Joel better. I like Mike, but Joel I thought was better. So my favorites are um, Cave Dwellers, which I have in DVD. Uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, which is from the late four, basically the third to fifth season to me were the best years. Uh, and then Mitchell, Joel's episode is fantastic. They rip into Joe Don Baker, who's just a slovenly, just boorish cop in it, who is supposed to be the hero, yet he's drunk half the movie, is so out of shape, you can't believe him for a second, and he like is 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 like making out disgustingly with Linda Linda Evans as a prostitute. It's it's hysterical because you cannot believe that they thought that would be a good pro- protagonist for a movie. And supposedly, according to the to like the episode guide book, that Jodan Baker actually found out about it and was so pissed that like he's actually has a grudge against him for that. So they did another Jodan Baker movie that they shot in freaking Malta. They did it in the tenth season, the last uh, season called Final Justice, where he's like this again out of shape. You know who to thunk it? Like like um, redneck sheriff that goes to Malta for some reason is gunning down people with a six, with a six shooter. This is absolutely ridiculous. It, it, there's, but there's a lot. I'd say half the episodes are really good, though. I wish this question had been asked of me like 13 years ago because yeah. I could have given an answer. It's it's one of those series that I love and I keep meaning to revisit, but I just I haven't I haven't had the chance. Right, next. Oh yeah, this is this is okay. This is this is really on. This is a, this is probably my favorite question so far. This is from at Doctor Nerd eighty nine. Hey Ian, when you first met Pat, what was the first impression he had on you? On you. Aside from looking like a grown version of Munchie. I'm not sure who Munchie is. Um, honestly, and this is... This is I, He's I, asking me what, what I thought of you, though. What I had on you, or what you had on me. What, what was I the had first on impression, you. When you first met Pat, what was the first impression he had on you? Yeah, your first... The well, impression you, you gave of me. That I gave of you? Yeah. When you first met Pat, what was the first he posts a picture of Munchie later. And what was, I thought of you. That's what he's asking. I think he's asking, no, what I... Okay, go for it. That's probably more interesting anyway. What did you think of me on This is 2008, the summer of 2008 when I visited. No, it's it's really not that interesting because I saw this one earlier and that's why I think it's of, of, of him because I think he's chatted with me on there and he posted a picture so I had a reference. He was like, in case... Because he posted to me, he's like, in case you don't know who Munchie looks like. Um, and I don't think you look anything like Munchie. Uh, it's, it's pretty boring. My, my first impression of Pat isn't the problem. Um, my first impression of Pat, you know, when he came to uh, San Diego to visit... Um, I visited for Comic-Con 2008. Yeah. When he came out and he, he first discovered the store, my, my first impression of Pat was actually, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, here's a, here's, here's a normal... Here's a somewhat normal Sorry. person who wants to look at the boxed Nintendo games. And... Um, you had boxed Nintendo games when I came? Yeah. yeah the first time? You got Prince of Persia for like $7. That was oh that was there yeah and then I got um the Color Dreams game yeah I don't remember which one Pest Terminator yep so my first impression of Pat was actually pretty good uh he was pretty amicable pretty friendly didn't seem like he was in it for the money seemed like he just liked the games that's and, funny he's not he's in it for the art not the money this is before well no because really I remember we bigger. talked about that sort of thing because I had been working there for a few years and you know we just and that was becoming an issue where you know people who knew nothing about games were coming in just trying to find the thing that was going to make them a buck and that wasn't what you were doing you told me that you're trying to complete your collection you told me that you were almost there um, I, and probably, then, I probably had about at that point I probably had about 60 to 70 games left and like you know I, I actually saw Pat a couple of times after that before he moved here and my impression of Pat was always that he was Pretty amicable fellow. It, uh, you know that didn't change until I got to know him personally. 
Thanks, Ian. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> I remember being surprised when I I moved out here in 2009, and uh, I guess during my courting phase with Ian and trying to get him to, to be friends with me, which is really weird because when you're when your guy is hard to, I've always had trouble making friends with. This is again, this is now you guys are gonna find a lot. I've always had a lot more difficulty making friends with guys versus girls for whatever reason. Same here. With guys, there's, I guess there's a lot more barriers. It's more competitiveness with girls. You don't have that. The only thing you might have with a girl is, is might, you might have sexual tension or whatever. That's a whole different issue. But with, with guys, there's this whole, whole other dynamic going on, especially once you get older, get out of college. So I remember asking Ian, this is within probably a month and a half of here, I said, Ian, go with me to this swap meet that's nearby <laughs> and get up and get there at 7. And he, to his credit, you did it, to your credit. And I'm not sure why, because if it was me, I would not have done it. And I remember you being miserable, but I guess it said something for you trust me enough to actually hang out with me to do it. And you might have fun with it. I don't know. You never did it again, but at least you no, did it. No, it, well, and, here, and here's my thing, and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. Cause it, but when I, when I meet someone who moves to San Diego, I've been there. I've moved from San Diego. I got up and left everyone and everything I knew. Oh, so you felt pity. No, no, it's not. That's the thing. It's not pity. <laughs> but I know what it's like to try to fucking make friends in a place that, where you know no one. So generally, as long as people don't come across as total creepers, I will. if they suggest something to me, I want to do this, I want to do that, you want to come along, I usually just say yeah. And as long as the first time goes well, then generally I will be friends with that person. The thing is, is I'm not a morning person. Pat can tell you that. My girlfriend can tell you that. Everyone who's ever known me can tell you that I'm not a morning person. I'm not either, though. But I yeah. still go to the spot. So, so the thing was, I went with Pat to the flea market once because I wanted to see what kind of person Pat was and see if there was a friend there. And there was. However, not at 7 in the morning. So okay. I've never gone to the flea market since. Okay. There you go. Somehow we've not, we not killed each other. Um, this is from at Mike Lorette. Um, thoughts on the Xbox One frame rate resolution? We talked about that. Um, it's a big sack of wieners. Going back, this is from at Segata Sanshiro One. Going back to Japan next month is a PC engine worth it? Yes. I've never, I've never played. Come on, of course it's yes. worth it. Yes, especially in Japan where they're like twenty-five bucks. They're not that cheap. Here's what you do. <laughs> They're cheaper than here. Here's what you do, and I, I'm dead serious. If you want to know what you do and you're really curious about it, go to Japan. Mm-hmm. Find a PC Engine Duo R. Which is what you have, right? Yes. It is the most reliable model. It's going to be cheaper than piecing everything together. And if you're lucky, very lucky, you will find one that is already modded. In Japan, you'd find one already modded? It, you Potentially? might. If it is not, it's okay because, and this is where I might be wrong, but I believe my buddy has told me, and he's always said that modding a PC engine is easier than modding a Turbo Graphics because of the different pins. Yes. So you want that? You want that anyways? The CDs when you really get into the PC engine uh, or the Turbo Graphics, uh, you, you quickly exhaust the library of card games, and you realize most of the best games are on CD. Okay. The CD is naturally region free. Yes, it's a more reliable CD. You could even burn them. If yep, you if you wanted to. Uh, I it, and it's look. It's not like you're stealing no, money from people to. at this point. I no, just it, it it ruins my hunt. Um, so, so so it's good. Uh, and it's it's it has better capacitors. You won't get capacitor problems like you will with a standard duo uh, on either. Either side. Um, like I said, finding a person to mod it here would be fairly easy. But it's just... Yeah, you can find that system. But make sure you get the Duo R. They should be a dime a dozen. I don't know what they're going for over there. If you take... If you set aside 200, 180 to 200 for it, you should be able to get it. 
could could they also if they don't want to go if they if they just want to get the CD-ROM too and get that system for like eighty bucks or whatever and then they can still play the U.S. games and then get an adapter for U.S. games they can do that right. Well, you would still need everything together. Yeah, but the point is that could be cheaper. Maybe the Duo R is like double the price. But but no, you say they're not twenty five bucks. If you get just a little the little square piece of the engine, they're oh, not sure. that much I mean, money. If you just get the square piece of the engine, they're not that much money. But what what I'm trying to 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 get across is if you get really into it, you will see that our vision of the PC engine, the turbo graphics over here is skewed because we did not see many CD games and all we saw were card games. You know, we yes. saw a lot of card games. We saw ninety four card but, games and what thirty five CD games. But but the majority of that library is CD. And not only are you getting a system that plays both, but you're getting it with all those... You don't have to find the, those stupid upgrade chips. You don't have to find a system 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. It's RK all in car, there. Yeah. yeah, it's just... In the long run, it's 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 easier. But yeah, it's it's an amazing system. Absolutely get one. Okay. Next question. Is <laughs> Someone in the chat said that the Mario underneath there is staring into their soul. I just think that's funny. That it is showing up. That's going to be there, I guess, for the rest of it. Um, Evil. This is from at Mega5K. Megan was in the chat, I believe. What are your thoughts about the rumor of Nintendo remastering Nintendo 64 games in the future? I haven't heard this rumor. I haven't either, but if they're going to, I imagine Nintendo would probably put them up for download. I mean, every company is doing it now. Um, I don't know what they have left. I mean... Majora's Mask. They can't do Diddy Kong. That's rare. Um, I, I, without without delving too much into what they could do, I have no problem with it as long as it's for a reasonable price. I mean, if they want to do two games per disc like, like Sony did during the PS3 era when they HD remastered their games, or if they want to put them up as downloads I, on the virtual console, sure, do it, fine. I, I think the trauma loss if you like try to remaster Ocarina of Time, I'd be like, what? Really? You you have so many Zelda games that come out. You have like one or two per generation of console. It'd be like, why, why would you need to experience that one like upgrade? I just I don't get it. The Zelda games are, to me are are almost repeating the same thing anyway. Well, every every except not every year. Every like four years. That's that's the the, the difference at least. I guess the question know. wasn't maybe specific enough. But if I were to guess what remaster means, it just means to up upscale. Like they did with the P- like like PS3 did with PS2 games. I'm guessing she means like totally redraw it, like HD remaster, like Ducktail. That's what I, I'm guessing. I think it's a, I don't think it's a good idea. See, if they do that, I think it's a bad idea. If they simply want to upres it for download on the Wii U or something, <laughs> but sure. you're going to be upresing polygons. I mean, how like what? what like, I mean, what it be... still looks smoother. You won't have yeah, LAS okay. and stuff like that. I mean, I, I'm not like totally against it. I just I don't. Yeah, I guess I don't necessarily see the point. I mean, they re-released GoldenEye. I they, mean, it's rare they can't. But, I mean, they've done a, ver- a version of it, at least. Is it, do we need it? That's the whole point. You know, anyway. But actually, on the computer. They, the people do it on the computer. They, they've redone GoldenEye on the computer. They've uh, The fans, they, they've done it. Well, yeah, that's so. my guess is... I mean, we're bickering now, but I think that's what she refers to. It's just that sort of... That, that sort of making it look smoother. And, I mean, fine. All right. Um, this is at Andrew Parada 1. What is your favorite WrestleMania match and favorite Starcade match? And I don't know why they're in quotes, because they're real events. But... <laughs> Um. Okay, I'm gonna be. Star came up be hard for me to think of. I'm gonna be fairly stereotypical on the WrestleMania. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess is what you're gonna say. You know, I already know what I'm gonna say. Do I? Do I know which one you're gonna say? Say it first. 
Steamboat Savage. Yeah, three? yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's Savage Steamboat. Why? Because I'm a massive Savage fan. Um, oh, Savage, yeah. Savage worked his ass off in that match. And, I mean, carried Steamboat to arguably, I mean, he's, no, not arguably, easily Steamboat's greatest match because Steamboat was not a fantastic worker. Um, and it stripped Savage of the IC title, kept him looking good in the process because he hits the elbow without interference and gets a clean three count while the ref is out. So Savage wins the match. But it's also it's but, also heralded as the first quote unquote modern wrestling match. Though. It is. It is. Yeah. It, it, it's hyper. It's it, it's uh, it's hyper planned and stylized. You know. But Savage gets that three count. This is important from a storytelling angle because Steamboat wins with a a small package roll up after the the ref comes mm-hmm. back um, after Steamboat does attempt some interference and it's good because Steamboat still gets the. Uh, the victory, he gets his but, but he gets the IC title stripped of him so he can move on to bigger and better things. That was the whole point of the match. The IC title to Savage at that point was dead weight. Um, Starcade, the only one I can think of that I know off the top of my head is, and this was an undercard match, but I remember very much enjoying it. I haven't watched it in a decade and a half, so I'd have to go back, but, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, Rey Mysterio, Starcade, 97, maybe? 96, 96, 96, uh, I like it because as much as I like Mysterio, uh, Liger wins. At that point in time, it was kind of an American's first taste of the Japanese wrestling style because Liger was huge in Japan. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was always WCW's strong point. By the way, you're almost out of the frame. Whatever. (laughs) People don't need to see me. Um, (laughs) uh, WCW's strong point was always its undercard. Yeah, it was. And, and that was a really good undercard match that I remember from Starcade. All right, what are mine? Uh, Starcade, I can't even, you know what? To me, all the Starcades blended because the W7. Sting Hogan. Flair Hogan, Stare, I think? Sting Hogan was destroyed by the bad ending where it was a fast count where it was. Yeah, that was awful. That was terrible. Right. Either either Nick Patrick didn't actually count fast enough, or the whole thing was meant to be that Hogan there was no. Either way, it was fucking awful. Yeah, that's Sting, right. no, you're right. Sting, the ending was bad. It was I, really yeah. bad. And I remember watching it live in college and being like, what, what what's going on? Because he built up Sting as he's going to beat Hogan, then Hogan seemed like he didn't. That's right, because they vacated the belt the next night, kind of weirdly. Yeah, that was that was that was the beginning. That was the beginning of WCW, not the finger poke of Doom a year later. I don't think it was the the finger poke of Doom. I don't think it was. I think it was uh... that was because that wasn't a clean. That should have been the point where NWO was defeated and then split up, and then at that point, I think it was Hogan Warrior because they brought in. That was really bad. They brought in Hogan to work. They brought in Warrior to massage Hogan's fucking ego. Yes. Warrior pulled off like three whole wrestling moves in like three months of buildup, and that match was like twenty minutes long. It was terrible. At least ten minutes of it was just the NWO beating up Warrior. Anyways, your favorite WrestleMania match? Well, I was gonna say I, I do love the Hogan uh, <laughs> Hogan Warrior WrestleMania six. I do like it just for the the fact that it was really the first time you had a huge face versus face that were both huge fan favorites. And it wasn't the best match. It's a sh- shitty match from a work standpoint. It's a great match from a from a uh, an emotion standpoint. From the emotion, and, and it was supposed to pass the torch to Warrior, even though he had problems. He left the company a year later for a short time. Whatever else. At the time, it was a huge match because, again, it, because well, usually for WrestleMania, you knew who was going to win. The good guy was going to win. And this, they were both good, good guys. guys right. So you actually didn't know where you're going to go. Hogan at that time had been the face of the company for six years. For six full years, if not seven, and so for him to lose that, it was like wow, it was a big moment. Passing the torch, and then whatever. Um, That's that, a good. One. I just I don't like Hogan. I, how I'm, about how about your man Savage, his retirement match WrestleMania Seven, 
against uh, against Warrior. Again, and that was was a Warrior's best match that he pulled out of Warrior. Yeah, yeah. That. Well, that's the thing about Savage is he 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 he, he later on in life he lost his ability to work, but. I mean, if you go back and you watch early Savage, Savage brought the best out of almost everyone he worked with. And that was what was so much fun about him. That and his persona was... Whereas Hogan's persona appeared to be fueled by strictly cocaine, <laughs> Savage's persona seemed to be fueled by a mixture of cocaine and talent. Okay. There you go. Uh, and for Stargate... Uh, Starcade. Starcade, sorry. Uh, which not, not not the I oh he didn't specify I can, I can go back to the eighties uh, show video game show. <laughs> well, that's what I thought when you when you said uh, Macho Man I, I don't remember it but uh, there was a Starcade Macho Man flair I'm fairly certain. Was the first Starcade when it went to, was that the first one? No, that was Clash of the Champions when it was the draw match Sting versus Flair. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it as a kid mm-hmm. and he had him and he had him in the Scorpion Deathlock and the time ran out. That was the first Clash. I don't Champions. know if that was the first one, but I do remember that. I've seen. I, that I watched that a lot. Either yeah. somehow turning on TBS and then watching uh, WCW. That's how I got into it, like ninety one, ninety two. So I, honestly, I cannot think of a Star match that, that I really loved. It's probably some DDP match because I love DDP. Was yeah. DDP was DDP Giant a Star match? DDP something was Starcade. DDP something for the when he had the bad ribs and Giant was beating the shit out of him. I don't know if that was Giant, but DDP does have a Starcade match that's pretty well known, and I can't remember what the hell it so, is right now. I just love DDP. Yeah, me DDP is like my favorite. Saw five five. It's from Jersey, the Jersey Triad. Bang! <laughs> now it is yoga. All right, we're awful. Anyways, okay. continue. Yeah, now, now we're just pandering to ourselves. Um... This is from uh, Christina at Shibi UFO, who's usually a fan of the podcast, usually in the chat room. Question for both of us: What have been your biggest disappointments in video games? Disappointments. What? 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 Did, what? What were you anticipating that was a big letdown? Besides DuckTales Remastered, which you still you still haven't played. Um, I, 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 I can actually think of two off the top of my head. Um, one was Shadows of the Damned, which came out on P- PS3 and Xbox 360 about uh, a year and a half ago. Um, it was a Suda51 title. Uh, he was the creative force behind one of my favorite video games of all time, Killer7. And I thought this was going to be a return to form. Um, the gameplay is actually not awful, but the humor fell incredibly flat for me, and it just wasn't an interesting game in the way that I had hoped. It was actually pretty boring. Um from that, from from like a storytelling standpoint, especially when you're used to something like like Killer Seven. Uh, the other one that I would say is is Beautiful Joe. Um, really? Yeah, you I, like it. I was really really hyped on that. You gotta understand the context of Beautiful Joe is at that time no one was doing anything 2D, right? Mm-hmm. And Capcom's like, we're bringing this game out and it's gonna be 2D and it's gonna be cool. And I'm I I was waiting for it. I just don't like games <clears> that rely on super gimmicky mechanics like like the time manipulation that Beautiful Joe does. The fast-forward, the rewind, the, yeah. the slow-mo and stuff like that. And I hated it when I came out. I was super disappointed. I got rid of it within, like, two weeks. Looking back on it now, honestly, if I were to go back and play it, I probably wouldn't be anywhere near as harsh as I was then. But, if you, I mean, if the question is what was I really disappointed in, Beautiful Joe probably ranks as, like, my biggest disappointment in far, as far as games go. Trying to think of mine, I was pretty disappointed when I first played Three Stooges, just because, <laughs> just because I set up my allowance. I was only getting two dollars a week. It's a fun game. I made my bed, I took the garbage out twice a week. I got two dollars a week. Yeah. So that's literally electronic boutique. That game costs fifty bucks plus tax. So that's that's an allowance that takes eight bucks a month only. 
that took six and a half months to, to save up for that game. Fair and this enough. is at a time when I only got games... My parents... I don't go off my parents, but I never got random games I wanted. I got games... I got one game for my birthday and maybe two or three for Christmas. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Not even three. Not even. So, I mean, to, to invest... That's like that's like buying stocks and having them plummet. And it wasn't it wasn't that it was a bad game. It wasn't what I was expecting totally because it was only in Pack Watch at, at, at Nintendo Power. Yeah, like a little blurb. And I loved Three Stooges as a kid. I grew up on it. The, yeah. the marathons that had New Year's and such. I remember playing it. It was late at night, so we get back at like nine thirty. And it's weird. It was it was like upstairs on on this monitor right here playing it uh, on the Manavox monitor, and just it was a weird feeling, almost like in my stomach, like oh, I just fifty bucks. It, it, in eighty in eighty nine was a ton of money for a kid like that, and then all of a sudden all my savings were gone, and I bought this game I had to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea what to expect. I don't know if I was expecting a platformer game, but it was not what I expected. All the mini games. That's so I was disappointed. It, well, I love it now, but no, I was disappointed. Yeah, no, I understand. It was just the it's, expectation was different. Right, it is. Um, and that's the problem with how the games were advertised and marketed and even written about. Then sometimes you didn't know what a game actually was until you bought it. You know, they didn't go out and discuss the genre, especially if you're looking at Packwatch. That's sim- similar to that, and I wasn't necessarily super disappointed, but I also rarely got games other than Christmas or my birthday. Usually one for my birthday, two for Christmas, and that was because I had a brother. You know, we just share them. Um, but I remember my parents taking me out one day, and, you know, they, they were like, you can get a Nintendo game. And I insisted on getting Donkey Kong Classic. Okay. And I got it, and I remember bringing it home, and I just... Even though I kind of knew what it, I was getting into, it was just like I could have gotten something that was so much newer, or... more or newer. It wasn't even newer. You two games in one. But you know, I mean, the thing was, is after a week, I mean, that was kind of the game that that sparked my Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Junior. Especially was kind of what sparked my love of really um, classic, simple single screen games because. I, I was like, well, you know what? It's not a bad game. I just got to suck it up and play it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I learned to love both of them. Especially Junior. Junior is one of my favorites. You were, you were disappointed math wasn't on there as well. Yes, exactly. Why couldn't they throw Donkey Kong 3 on there? Because I love math. They uh, could have threw 3 on there. Yeah, no one would have played it. But still, they could have yeah, did they it because they getting space. <laughs> no. We don't have space for the it's cement like four, factory. It's like, four five it's like, come on. That was weird. I guess they're, I don't know, maybe they got a bad ROM or something. Uh, this is from at X-Files 2 zero zero zero. 1999, so 2000. Is this how I ask questions? No, it's not. Next question. Uh, this is from Jerron, who writes for The Punk Effect. Uh, Blockbuster's remaining stores have now closed. I actually did not know that. I guess they closed the rest of them. We have it's, another question from John Randall about that, too. Do you think kids these days have it too easy when it comes to renting games? Too easy. Yeah, I think that, that question was, was written poorly. Because I, I don't think they have it too easy. I, I can't. I mean, how do they have it too easy? Maybe because you can get it from GameFly for. Oh, okay. I see what he's. Okay, I see. Or you but you, but but no. Redbox does it though. You got the Redbox and get it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't read all. I think rentals are gone for the most part, just because you can download demos now, especially on the PC. And I hate to say, there's so many games that cost you five bucks, ten bucks. I think kids rather just buy it with their credit instead of why do I have to rent it I'll just spend five bucks on this game or ten bucks on this game and just do that yeah um, we might as well I, I, I don't read all these questions ahead of time but I, I see some through the day uh, John Randall I believe Abe Randall in there asked us one about you know how do you guys any particular emotions attached to Blockbuster closing so we might as well wrap them both up sure first um, to address Jerron I don't yeah I guess I don't think they have 
it too easy when it comes to renting games, uh, judging by the amount of calls I get every day for where can I rent games. No, they don't have it easy. They can't. I mean, Gamefly is a pretty easy service, but it's also expensive for a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. But kids, like you said, you can now turn on your 360 and be like, Game X is out downloading demo. Play demo. Do I like it? Yes? Great. Okay. You know, I I want this or I don't. Yes. Um, As far as do I have any particular... Uh, you know, f- memories of Blockbuster. Not Blockbuster particularly because... And I'm sure it was like this everywhere, but I, all, I, all I have is the Northeast as reference. There were so many mom-and-pop shops that, that my rental... I do have memories of rental stores, obviously. I used to love going. I used to love it. My mom was like, you can rent a game. Um, you know, my, 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 me and my, uh, my, my early girlfriends and I in high school, you know, that's, that's what we would do. We'd go to the local rental shop and rent a couple movies. Um... I miss being able to walk into a big room and see it all. I'm yeah. not a huge sure. movie buff, but yeah, it does kind of suck to know that 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 is gone. Even when I stopped renting movies because of things I like Netflix, feel... I I would go and I do I take advantage of the four for twenty. You I know? don't feel bad. This is why they put all the mom pops at, pop, mom yes. and pops out of business. Right. I don't feel bad for um, Blockbuster. We had we, we had four chains. We had Hollywood Video, which was a national chain. Yes. And they were smaller. We had Palmer Video, which was a regional chain. But you might remember that they had commercials uh, with a, like an mm, inspector, yes. and we oh had, yeah 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 I remember. And we that. had Easy Video, which was a regional chain that could have been maybe only New Jersey, maybe New York. So they, yeah, those smaller chains, Hollywood Video wasn't national though, and they survived until about six years ago, I believe, six seven years ago. Yeah, some aspects Something of like them, it was I think like the the game crazy shoot off even survived yeah. until like three years ago. So, but but yeah, you're right, and I, I brought this up in the podcast or mentioning this in stories we, or interviews. I think we talked about this during the marathon because this yeah. we we definitely how, talked about this. How they mom pops and we're talking late eighties, we're talking eighty eight. Yeah, I'd say eighty eight is when they kind of blew up. VHS is by eighty eight, eighty seven. We're starting to get four enough that they're like a couple hundred bucks and eighty seven dollars is still a lot of money, but it's affordable. Yeah. So you have people getting them and you and you had to spend either seventy bucks, eighty bucks just to join a store, yep. and then you might get two free rentals because back then when they bought those tapes, people understand when when VHSs came out for movies, you couldn't buy them in the store. They went to the video rental store and usually the rental rental stores were paying like eighty or a hundred dollars for a tape. And again, yeah. in late eighties money. So that's why they needed you to get the money up front. Besides them renting it for, say back then, it was $2 for two nights. Or $2 for one night. So you'd have coupons sent out. Uh, I still remember in my head, Magic Star Video. There was a video store in, in Rural, New Jersey uh, by me that looked like, it like it must have been like a bodega. They made it into a rental store. I remember going there and it was rent two for the price of one. My mom took me and I got Super Mario Bros. 2 and City Connection. Yeah. You know, and so uh, I love the rental stores and they're always the fondest memory because... I played a hell of a lot more games via rental store than than ones I was the owner. I did not own more than 15 Nintendo games. Not more absolutely. than 15. Yeah. One five. And that's what having the system for like a good, you know, five years and being on it. Um, so so that said, it always has a special place in my heart. And of course, yes, Blockbuster, you could rent games. By that time, the time the Blockbusters came around and swept up all the Palmer Video, they opened up literally two blocks from Palmer Video. Palmer Video was gone within a year. Um, so by that point, it was more renting Super Nintendo games because you're into the early 90s. Right. And then once you got to the mid-90s, you know, the mom-pops were starting to get flushed away at that point. And, and Hollywood Video remained. Easy Video, I think, was even starting to go away. By the late nineties, um, so yeah, it, it, it makes me sad. So, well, basically, fuck Blockbuster. I don't care. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I really don't. I, I feel bad. I feel bad when people lose their jobs, counter people. I but, do, but I don't care. But, but but as far as Blockbuster goes, my memories are not of Blockbuster. 
Blockbuster closing simply serves as a bookend. Yes. Blockbuster closing simply serves as a bookend to the end of the rental the rental store period of time. But you know what? I think it allows other mom pops to now come up. I think there's sure. a place for it. And now they want they want because there's less overhead. When you're not yes. a national chain, there's less overhead. I have I have a I have a I, he was an acquaintance. He's a good guy. I just was never a super good friend of him. Who runs a rental store in Buffalo? And as as Blockbuster's popularity wanes, he finds more people who go in and they do they buy the bag of microwave popcorn. And they get the sure. video because it is in a. It's hard to explain to people who never got into it or had that experience, but it is an experience that people just to still go there, like. Just to, to do it. Search for a video. Yeah. There's something about being in a video store versus going on Netflix. Netflix is a new video store where you're going and you're browsing. Yeah. But a video store, there's something about it. You can talk to the guy. He can recommend videos. You have to um, commit to it. You can't just stop halfway yes. through and pick something else. You, you, you have, have to I watch rented it. this. I have to you watch it. You read the back. You have to get it. Yeah. I, I, I went to um, uh, Idlewild, which is a like sort of like a like a forest and hiking area. Got two hours north yeah. of San Diego, and they had a video rental store there, nice. just for them. So that it can survive. Yeah. With, like I said, low overhead, and but not it, more importantly, not a huge chain that's going to outdo you. So, so I welcome it because that means that mom and pop stores are going to rise up again slowly yeah. but surely, no, and they are around. It's, it's not like they're not, not there. There's there's just less of them. It's gonna yeah. The, the, that's a market that still needs to be filled. Great. I, what I like about them though was the the Blockbuster Genesis Championships. I saw the pamphlet up there from like ninety, <laughs> was it ninety four? So, okay. I damn it, Patrick, you missed all those threes. That's why I did bad. Anyway, also from Jaron, uh, more than seventy five percent of games in Russia are pirated. Thoughts on how other countries are so lax on the issue compared to us? Well, our copyright laws are a lot more stringent in the U.S. than countries over there. Uh, for a lot of times because. Stuff is pirated there because a lot of the games come from here, so why the hell should they care about enforcing the laws when they're not losing money? You know what I mean? There's no money to be lost there. We are, we're also a capitalistic society, so we are a lot more, our laws are a lot more tighter about controlling intellectual uh, property, property rights than a lot of countries over Correct. there. Correct. And a lot of these countries like, uh, like Russia or, for instance, um, uh, Mexico, they don't have the same, there isn't the same game uh, delivery infrastructure that there is here. So, Sometimes the only way to really get a game is, is is to find the people who are willing to, to 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 get it there. Which a lot of times, it, modern in modern times, becomes pirating the game and getting it there. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's, it's it's a great thing, but if 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 like I said, if the infrastructure does not exist there to get you to the game legitimately, well, or or if in the case of Mexico, where like for instance, when New Super Mario Brothers Two came out here, yeah, it was a forty dollar game. If you converted that. Like I saw a copy down there. If you do the conversion, it was a seventy dollars game down there. So if do what conversion? What do you mean? From pesos to U.S. dollars. Oh, oh okay. That's it's a seventy dollars game okay. for a three DS game. Wow. In Mexico, so there's a reason why that, that when you don't have the pro, when when companies aren't shipping games over there when they don't have the inroads necessary to do it, the piracy rate is going to rise because Someone's the only way to get the legitimate copy is to pay two, three, four times the amount of what it's actually worth. This is from uh, at Un Michael Morgan, I guess. Oh, Michael Morgan. Is a Vectrix system rare or just a piece of junk? I'm not sure why they'd be necessarily... <laughs> not sure weird phrasing. I'm not sure why they'd be necessarily mutually exclusive. Yeah. But um, it's not a piece of junk. The Vectrix is a very nice No, it's system. not a piece of junk at all. And it's 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 sort of rare. I mean, it's, it's, go it's going for money now. I consider it... Obscure, not so much rare. If you want to get one, you can get one. Yeah, exactly. You don't yeah. have to. You don't have to try very hard. I mean, you go online. I you'll found find one, one at the swap meet. Yeah, I know a guy who found found the 3D imager at the swap meet, which still, yeah. gets me like this. You, you got one sitting on our shelf in La Mesa. Yeah, 
Um, no, it's a, it's a fine system. I think it's fun. It's nice to have it. It's just that it, shipping kills you on eBay. So if you don't find one in person, you're going to be paid the same amount to ship. Because it's a mini TV. Yeah. But no, it's great. I, that's Spike. such a weird way to put it. Oh, no, Molly. Yeah. Darn it. That's right. Is it rare or just a piece of junk? This is from... <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong again. No, actually, no. I'll do it first. Yeah, I'm going to say it wrong. At Jason Nakarado. Rado. Rado. Nakarado. What's your uh, favorite food? I'm tapped out, guys. What's your favorite food? <laughs> he asks a question every week. Uh, oh, man. I love to eat. A lot of favorite foods. Probably something Mexican. <laughs> Let's go with... Uh, Atabata tacos. What, the, uh, Atomano? Atabata. What or El Pesto. Uh, Atabata is I know like, Pastor are the El, pork ones. Uh, yeah, Atabata is pork as well, but that's generally roasted oven. Ad, uh, El Pastor is on the spit with... The uh, pineapple, sometimes with a pineapple piece on top, really? and it's carved like a like almost like a gyro meat, but it's not really? it's not formed like gyro meat. It's just layers and layers of pork on. Where do they have that? They don't have... Go, uh, you can get it that way at Litikers on um, Voltaire, or go to Tacos El Gordo. Okay, Tacos El Gordo is fantastic. So yeah, let's just say tacos because that's that's the easy answer. Uh, buffalo food though, I I do love uh, chicken wings and uh, I love avocados. <laughs> on pretty much anything. Um. It used to be as a kid, they don't, you don't find it often. Shrimp Parmesan. Jumbo shrimp Parmesan was probably the best meal I ever had, and I had it in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And the shrimp were like that big. And I remember I remember distinctly because more more harrowing inside of my childhood. My father, we never went to eat to begin with. But we went on vacation, we did. But my father never let us get dessert. He promised to let us get dessert this one time. Me and my sister were so excited we can get dessert. We got the meal, and we could not finish the meal because it was like five or six shrimp that big. Not kidding. Stuffed with crab meat, shrimp parmesan. And we were almost like, no, we can't finish it for dessert. It was one of the best meals I ever had. I was probably only 12. I'd never had shrimp parmesan, I think. After that point, most places don't make it or try to do. That's a good meal. Not saying it's my favorite, but that to me is like one of the best meals I ever had in my life. But I love sushi, though. I love sushi. If I had a pig, I love sushi. I love I love uh, nachos. Big nacho fiend. Cookies. Um, brownies, I love brownies. Cookies, I like cookies a I lot. Like Gummy bears. We'll just, we'll just name random junk. Oh food. god. Anyways, okay. <laughs> we got we got to move through this with the reason. Um, at Brandon Oak, how many records does Ian own? You know, I've I've never actually counted the entire collection. Um, Ballpark it. Yeah. Okay. So I did count. Okay, I've got. About 80, yeah, I'm good. I've got about 80 happy hardcore 12 inches. I probably have the same amount of late 90s trance and house. Uh, so that's what, 150? I probably have twice that amount of other I probably have about 450. Wow. Yeah. You can sell those. No. Uh, <laughs> this is from at game underscore mana. Why haven't we seen a Sharknado video game? <laughs> Make it. I don't know. You know why? Because the commercial would be too expensive. Too much Hollywood uh, okay, this is the, the Blockbuster commercial. We, we went through we that. Got that. This is at WB Stillwell. Do you have any tips or game suggestions for a gamer looking to get into graphics collecting? Unfortunately, the past year and a half, you need to talk about that. It's tough. Three years ago, man. Um, I mean, my, my recommendation to you would be, if you just want to play the games, and please say that's what you really want to do, get into the PC Engine and start there. It's going up in price, but it's cheaper. Or get a handy-dandy flash card. Hard if you really want. Well, I'm saying if you want physical games, one card or one CD for each game, 
PC Engine is going to be cheaper, but it's getting more expensive. Turbo right now is freaking insane, man. It's I mean, insane. your best bet, join PCEngineFX.com, <laughs> lay low and lurk, and wait, wait for, for someone to put their collection up for sale. Yes. Message boards are... I, I, the, I, we, I stressed this last podcast. Message boards are the best way to get it for cheap. Yeah, it used to be, I say up until two years ago, uh, they were still reasonable, most of the game, except for the rare ones. But now even the common ones like Bonk's Adventure will run you twenty five, thirty bucks. Yes. Splatterhouse will run you thirty bucks and it's like no, those Splatterhouse will be more than that. Um, see that's what I mean. They used to be like ten, fifteen dollars, yeah. all these games. Sure. You know, um because more people got interested in it for whatever the internet or like like you think people moved on from the NES, maybe because I completed mine, now they want to complete theirs. I don't know. But uh it seems that's a trend. Um so there you go. Best of luck to you, Will. I don't I don't envy you. This is from Helen. Hey Helen. What scene in any video game would be your favorite, whether it be sad, funny, etc.? That's a tough question. That's that's actually really easy for me. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, it's from Final Fantasy IX. Uh, the the marriage of Quina and Vivi uh, is completely ludicrous, ridiculous, funny, kind of heartwarming. Uh, I don't think you ever really know Quina's gender. It's just a thing. Um, but that is a fantastic scene it might be optional but that will always go down as one of my favorites i'll say one that affected me very greatly and this is why it's one of my favorite games uh in act razor um when the the two people in the town one of the towns when the the um the wife dies in one of them i i I can't remember the exact circumstance of why but she dies suddenly i think there was Something really bad. God, I can't remember precisely. Maybe it shouldn't be my moment, but basically one of them dies, mm-hmm. and it was like a sacrificial thing. And and the husband is like, it's weird because there's there's a lot of religious undertones, obviously, sure to to that game. But it was just it was done in a way that it actually made you feel it, even though it was just like the text scroll, and right? Just I think it was was it the, was it the husband that died? I think I think it was the wife that died. And the husband's there kneeling and praying to you, and it's just it really just tugged on your heart. And, then, and there's a few things like that happen in the game where people die and sacrifice. And there's the one scene where um, the one guy is an old man dying, and, and and I don't even care about the religious. It's just a beautiful moment where he wants he wants to be rained on before he dies. And so once you do that, and he dies happily, it's just like it's it's kind of just a very. And we're talking like these are little guys like that big, and you sure. feel the emotion of it. And it's just like, wow, this game is something. It was Actors definitely a game that was a lot bigger than the sum of its parts. Well, I remember Actors are having a fairly decent score too, and a good score. I mean, video game music was really important to emphasize emotion back in games like that. Like a good score really yeah. conveys. That's a beautiful what it score. It's yeah. absolutely haunting. So, okay. Um, <laughs> this is from at M Guy Your Two Three Four One Jimmy Carbon. Tell us the Zelda 2 Christmas story while Nitro Banks loses it, like, in the first marathon. I don't understand the references. Who's Jimmy Carbon? Who's Nitro Banks? But I'm guessing he's referring to the first marathon where I was trying to tell a story at the end and you were losing your mind and you wouldn't let me tell it. <laughs> this is from at Demon Owen Garth. Seeing how we rarely jump in real life, why is there so much jumping in video games? <laughs> because there's nothing else to do in a side-scroller. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know? I, I've actually thought about that before, too, how, how much they overemphasize jumping. But, yeah, when, when you're on t- two two planes, uh, uh, two dimension, a two-dimensional screen, the only other interaction you can have is up. I mean, look at it this way. When you move into 3D games, how many games from the third person actually don't have a jump button? A lot, because suddenly once you can move around in 3D, you no yeah. longer need to jump. Or jumping is handled automatically. That's, that's what Call of Duty is missing. 
jump button. No, it's got a jump button. <laughs> Does it really? Most, most first, I think. I think a I, realistic. I, I, so, so you're a soldier with 75 pounds of gear, and you're going to be jumping around. I think most first-person shooters have jump buttons at this point, simply as a way to get around what might be snags in the environment. Yeah. Um. We Genesis one we did. At Link 2, have console wars gotten out of hand because of the anonymity of the internet? Yeah, that feeds in a lot. That's in general, people are assholes because they're anonymous, of course. Yeah, everything has gotten more out of hand because of, you know, anonymity. And even if they put their name or they have a screen name, it's the fact that they can sit in a basement or behind a computer screen and they're miles and miles away. Yeah. You know, people people take any opportunity to say whatever the hell they want. Yeah, going back to Adam Sessler, I think he's gotten, like, probably death threats over his saying that it's not he said he has i mean it's not a big deal for for it to be 720p on the xbox one the call right and i mean isn't yeah it's ridiculous yeah this is from at that craig fellow question for ian if pat were to be wanting to sell off his entire nes collection what would you offer for its store price wise (laughs) for i guess i guess we're not going to count the nwc cards what would you give for the just just the loose games for the for the entire set what would you give i wouldn't if someone came, <laughs> if someone came in with this, it would be too much work. This is the PC answer that I this is this is the easy answer I would give. Wow, you've got a full collection of Nintendo games there. You should probably put that on eBay or uh, find a private buyer. So you wouldn't say I'll just give you like four grand for it or whatever. I mean, if someone was really like, I just don't care. I need to get rid of it. Yeah, I'd go through. But no, I, I that's not a question I can answer now. Like, I would literally, I, I would at least need. If I were to even give you a rough estimate, I would need 45 minutes. Okay. Now he's looking and thinking. Yeah, no, now it's going to bother me. Like, what would I offer for a collection? <laughs> well, you, have to, you probably would take the top 25, 30 most valuable ones and then average out the rest. It's probably the only way to really yes, do it. Yes, it is largely what I... I, I or I, even I, top 50 most valuable ones. I, I would go through I, I, every single game that would... Yeah, I would go through and find the most expensive ones and then kind of offer a lump sum for everything that was say worth less than three to five bucks this is from at long gutierrez have you seen juario's google 13 video no i haven't no all right well now you know what you have to do i haven't seen it i know that i know there's one on the ds that came out that wasn't really a game it was more like trivia and it's not in english unfortunately and there's the arcade ones but there has not been a fucking real okay i'm not gonna get into it I think we're just about done. I think there's like one more. Let me just double check this. And again, we went, went a little over because we had to retread about 25 minutes. But otherwise, we were pretty efficient. What time is it? It's 11. Holy <laughs> shit. Okay. Okay, this is the last question. This is from good old Mark Carth. Hey, Mark. For things like Fez, does it matter how good or bad the creator is to enjoy a game slash movie, whatever? I would say, personally, I don't care. As long as they're not someone who's totally despicable, like a... Michael Jackson or Roman Polanski, I, I can get around it if they're just a dick. I really don't care they're just a dick. I really don't. Oh, that's a good one. Um, because I, I, I think about this all the time with music. Uh, because a lot of bands that I like or music that I like, you know, you later find out that there's something going on. I, I do agree that there's a certain level. For instance, a band that I liked when I found out that the lead singer was involved in uh, a domestic abuse case, I just couldn't listen to that music anymore. I was was done. I was done. It it turned me off. I was done. I couldn't listen to it anymore. When I found out that another band that I liked came off as, 
you know, uh, extremely cocky and arrogant in their interviews, I just said, well, I can still enjoy their music. I'm just not going to read their interviews anymore. So for something like Fez, and I am aware of Phil Fish, um, I feel like Phil Fish... It's a funny name, by the way. I feel like Phil Fish is probably not nearly as bad as everyone makes him out to be. I will say that. I also feel like Phil Fish was extremely confrontational and got a lot of shit thrown back at him because he was throwing a lot of shit. But I will stand by, I don't think he was as bad as people made him out to be, and I don't believe he deserved to have to leave the industry in the conditions that he did because of the shit that he was getting. Would I still play his game? Yes, if I was interested in it. I am not interested in Fez, not because I dislike Phil Fish. I am not interested in Fez because I'm not interested in Fez. I, I think that's fair. I, I think, I mean, honestly, as long as they didn't do something horrific, I don't care. Right, exactly. Asshole. He did it. Right, and that's and that, that's what it comes down to. If the, you're the Daikatana guy, I don't care. Remember, yeah, if you're a loudmouth asshole, but you make something that's good, cool, dude. That's fine. Most you know, artists, many, most, most artists yeah. and creators are fucked up in one way or another. Hemingway wasn't a nice guy, but he was a great author. Right, you know, like just don't fucking punch your loved ones or kill people, and I'm pretty much most okay most with you. artists are. So there's something wrong with them. That's why they have a different way of looking at the world they can they can produce, whether it's writing right. or, or being a great actor or doing NES reviews. No, what? No. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's probably our, our out point there. But um, thanks for tuning in. We had some snafos, but we're going to get this online tomorrow on the YouTubes and the podcast will be on. Well, I don't know why I'm saying this to you because you're listening to this on iTunes. Or I really or love Melonberry Snafu. That's my favorite kind. Melonberry snafu? Is that like a orange new... snafu? You're, you're just being silly now. Strawberry kiwi. Alright, well, <laughs> again, uh, new NES Punk episode. It's out in Retroware. It'll be on the Punk Effect uh, tomorrow. I review Splatterhouse Wampaku Graffiti. It's my late Halloween episode because the marathon takes up all my October. So go enjoy that, everyone. It's on there. And we're going to see you in two weeks. And you're going to be coming back from a wedding by then. Yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back. So. Good timing. Ian, stay in your seat or not. And we'll see you guys later. We're signing off with the Unnecessary Podcast, which hopefully we'll have a produced song for at some point. For a bumper. Take care, everyone.